All discussion during the Invest Wisely program is intended for informational and educational purposes. It is not an offer to buy or sell or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or instrument or to participate in any particular trading strategy. We do not offer tax, accounting, or legal advice. Consult your tax or legal advisor before making any decision that could affect your tax or legal situation. All investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. You should carefully consider investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of any investment before investing. Diversification and asset allocation do not guarantee a profit or guarantee against loss. Securities and investment advisory services are offered by Robert W. Baird and Company, Incorporated, a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor, member NYSE, FINRA, and SIPC. Well, thank you, Mr. Mann. Invest wisely with Walt Secure is on the air right now. He is the managing partner of the AKW Group in Akron and also in Washington, Pennsylvania. This half hour, we'll talk about the stock market. We'll talk about how the AKW Group invests their clients' money in individually owned portfolios of stocks. And we'll talk about any questions you have, too, at 330-673-1234 and outside of Akron and on W1Hour.com, 800-669-4100. Well, it's a beautiful day here in Akron, 89 degrees, sunny. That's a perfect kind of day that makes you want to go to Florida and cool off. And that's where Walt Secure is right now in Naples, Florida. Down there in the tip, I have a very good friend that lives down there. Was editor of one of the newspapers there, so uh, it's a beautiful area. And uh, how's things uh, looking for you in Naples? Uh, things are great, Bob. Had a nice trip down here. They finally let me out of the office since the pandemic started, and it was a nice trip down. Um, had a couple client meetings already, and uh, we're going to start our 673 mile drive uh, around the state of uh, Florida with uh, a lot of meetings and. Uh, a lot of dinners, a lot of luncheons, and a lot of walks for me early in the morning to try to walk off the damage from the night before. So it's, uh, it's uh, you know, going to be a really good uh, week for us to get back in front of clients that we haven't seen for some of them for two years now because of the pandemic. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're excited to be here. Now, last week, the market seems to be uh, in a kind of a kind of a rut, uh, doing the same thing, more or less, it has been doing for the last uh, uh, four or five weeks or more. Uh, even despite all the news and happen- things that are happening, it seems to be pretty consistent. It has, Bob. Yeah, we've been going sideways uh, since about mid-April. Uh, the Dow Jones last week was uh, up about 0.66%. Uh, year-to-date, we're at 13.56%. Uh, the S&P 500 index was up 0.61%. The NASDAQ last week also had a gain of 0.48%, year-to-date up at 7.19%, and the Russell 2000 last week was up 0.77%. Year-to-date, we're at 16.2% on those uh, small mid-cap stocks. So, yeah, I mean, as you pointed out, we're moving sideways. Um, Not as much volatility as as what maybe a lot of people expected, but um, that's a good thing. And, you know, as we move sideways, what's helping, Bob, is valuation. You know, what we're seeing is, uh, you know, if, if earnings keep coming up, we just came off of a great earnings season, about 495 companies in the S&P 500 now have their reports in. We saw earnings on average up about 50%. Uh, what happens is the price-earnings ratio, which we were talking about, which, which is, you know, at historic highs, uh, now it comes down a little bit, you know, because prices aren't running as, as rapid, you know, uh, up as quickly. And, 
you know, valuations look a little bit better um, as we, uh, you know, enter, enter June. So we look at some of the things that are happening in the news and how they affect the markets. Uh, of course, in Washington, they're trying to make a deal on the big infrastructure bill. It seems, though, that there's pretty good difference of opinion between the two sides and how much should be spent and where. How do you see this uh, interpreting in the world of finance in this particular political environment? Well, Bob, I think the political situation was such a hotbed of um, news for, for everybody you know, over the past two years. And uh, it's kind of settling down a little bit. I think the um, extreme, you know, the extremes, the, the very, you know, uh, liberal and uh, the extremely conservative people were, were kind of moving more towards the middle. Uh, you saw um, uh, Mrs. Capito, uh, Shelley Capito from West Virginia, who's leading the House, uh, the, I'm sorry, the Senate Republicans, um, you know, bringing in some new proposals. We, we see the administration bringing down the amount of spend um, quite significantly, I think the proposal that the Senate Republicans put out now is $928 billion, um, over eight years for, again, roads, bridges, rail, transit systems. Um, you know, the definition of what infrastructure really is is being challenged a lot by politicians currently. How to pay for it is being challenged, uh, you know, by politicians. And uh, we see a little bit of bipartisan, you know, representation now. I think Mr. Manchin out of uh, West Virginia uh, one of the Democratic, you know, leaders is, uh, you know, really talking about how this bill really needs to be bipartisan and needs to be fiscally responsible. Uh, so all those things, I think, help settle things down a little bit. I think the investment community has kind of moved past the political situation and, and doesn't see it, you know, as a hotbed that uh, maybe a lot of people saw it, you know, coming out of the election, which which is a good thing. And again, we're we're back to fundamentals. We're back to looking at companies and yeah, I think uh, we're also paying attention to the Federal Reserve and monetary policy. So, Walt, what is the biggest concern investors have right now, do you think? Yeah, I think it's monetary policy. You know, I think the, the chief concern is it's this overheating economy. Um, if the Fed will rein in their bond buying, because the Fed is buying a ton of bonds. Uh, they're stabilizing the financial markets, especially on the fixed income side. And, of course, short-term interest rates, which have really... Uh, led to a lot of really, you know, I, I think easy borrowing and easy money. So I think any changes in those types of uh, policies from the Federal Reserve or from the monetary policy would be, you know, what the market's really paying attention to right now. And, of course, you always follow the data and the metrics. We got a lot of reports and uh, data in last week, including the May employment report. What did that uh, tell you, and did it help the market? Yeah, it, it, it did, Bob. Where it, what it helped is it kind of showed a little bit of weakness which, um, you know, is about 100,000 uh, jobs short, uh, which kind of leads credence to the Federal Reserve and monetary policy staying where they're at. You know, I, I think as long as we have some metrics coming in that show a little bit of weakness, uh, it helps uh, the narrative and, and the way that the Federal Reserve really wants to the posture uh, their monetary policy. So uh, we saw out of that report, you know, there's a lot of weakness uh, in leisure and hospitality workers. Again, you know, that the support, the, um, the, the, what the, you know, fiscal support as far as the extra money, uh, you know, that's been given to employees that are working, uh, that is still holding back, I think, a lot of jobs, especially in that leisure and hospitality type of industry. So, uh, we, we're going to start to see some of that go away. Uh, a lot of the GOP states are starting to remove, 
uh, that funding, and I think a lot of other states will follow course. So the employment market should continue to improve. And, again, a nice, uh, you know, a, a little bit of balance as far as not all the numbers being so overheated is, is a good thing for the Fed. Now, what about inflation? We'd been so concerned about that from time to time, and right now you can't, I can't seem to see a big consensus of whether it's good, or good or bad. Well, I think it's there, Bob, and I mean it's recognized again. You know, we we got the Fed really talking about this transitory type of nature of of the uh, policy, but again, if you follow the data, uh, you see the produ- producer price index annualizing at about seven point six percent. You see the consumer price index annualizing at about three point six percent. Uh, we see it across the board. Again, we talked about it, you know, lumber up 280%, um, aluminum up 69%, oil up 82%, corn up 70%. Uh, we're, we're seeing it everywhere. Uh, we're feeling it as consumers. And, you know, we, we really know that it's, it's something that's going to be, we're, we're going to have to battle through. Uh, there's a lot of uh, cash. And, you know, when old Milton Friedman said, you know, when you have too much money, yeah, you know, chasing too few goods, uh, that's going to create inflationary pressures. So this is good for equities. It's, it's good for equity investing. It's really bad for fixed income and bond investing. So again, from our perspective, it really strengthens the position of how we invest for our clients as we look forward. Now, we're talking to Walt Secura of the AKW Group here in Akron and also in Washington, Pennsylvania, about the stock market, about individual stocks and how their company invests their clients' money in portfolios custom-designed for each client in these individual stocks. Uh, one of the issues in the market, in the home marketplace, has been the so-called semiconductor shortage, the computer chip shortage. They're talking about the problems with not getting enough computer chips. Uh, uh, everything from cars to, to phones to uh, appliances are affected by this uh, so-called shortage of computer chips. What's what's going on with that? Why is there a shortage and how serious is this problem? Yeah, Bob, you know, again, this is, shows that fragileness of the supply chain. You know, we did something unprecedented in history. You know, when you, when you shut down economies, when you shut down supply chains. It really has an impact. And uh, we're starting to see some of those impacts. And it's really felt in in the chips, um, in the microchips, the microprocessors. Uh, what happened is there was an incredible amount of demand for products like computers and smartphones. And, you know, people were home more. So, you know, they were, they were upgrading things like refrigerators and washers and dryers and all these kinds of things. But what happened is we ran into a global shortage of microprocessors, and a lot of them are the lower-end processors uh, used in everyday products, you know, like refrigerators and, and washers and dryers and toasters and uh, those types of items. So uh, what's happened is, you know, the industry is trying to catch up. Uh, we see a lot of announcements. You know, Intel announced they were going to build two new foundries in Arizona. Uh, we see Taiwan Semiconductor, you know, talking about a $100 billion investment. We see Samsung talking about a $110 billion investment in, in chip manufacturing. Uh, we caution everybody here, though, to be careful because there will be winners and losers. And everybody should remember that microchips are, you know, they're extremely cyclical. Uh, you know, this year we're going to see growth of about 10.9%. The industry is about $488 billion. Uh, last year was about a 6.8% growth at $440 billion. But if you go back to 2019, there was a 12.9% decline because, again, uh, they're cyclical. People buy these products in cycles. If you, if you just upgraded your washing machine or your dryer or, you know, these kinds of things, you're probably not going to need one in another two or three years, so hopefully. 
So, so you know, they, you got to keep in mind there will be winners and losers. Um, I see a lot of people just, you know, really kind of piling into the space and thinking uh, this is a great way to make a lot of money. But you, you still have to do the homework. You still have to think about the types of stocks that you want to invest here and uh, make sure that they're enduring and they're good long-term stories and they're going to be uh, you know, good in your investment portfolio. So what would your advice be to invest wisely in computer chips? Should we stick with the with the big names like, like Intel and, and kind of just hang in there? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're looking at that really hard, Bob. You know, we've been an investor in Intel, NVIDIA, uh, AMD. You know, we, we have holdings in those those particular chip companies. But uh, we're really taking a hard look at the space right now. I, I think there are going to be some winners and losers. Um, uh, you know, my radar is kind of up, and and I'm, you know, really contemplating some changes. So it's something that uh, I think needs a lot of work, and, you know, we'll be spending, you know, the next couple of weeks really taking a hard look at that space. Once again, Walt Secura is our expert from the AKW Group here in Akron and in Washington, Pennsylvania. Time to really talk about stocks now and Stock Talk. He's going to mention some stocks that he's been following and they've been given some reports last week. But if you have any questions about a stock that you're interested in, whether you own it, you'd like to own it, uh, you find it interesting in the market, you'd like to get his opinion on whether or not you should make a jump in there, give us a call, 330-673-1234. Talk to Walt on the air. Ask him about that stock and see what his advice might be. 330-673-1234. Outside of Akron, it's uh, toll-free on WNR.com, 800-669-4100. We've often been talking about these these wild spexuses, uh, so-called meme stocks. Uh, AMC Entertainment, the movie company business, is up again 80%. Last week, the stock uh, jumped twenty-one dollars, ending the week at just under fifty dollars. What are your thoughts on AMC Entertainment? And this is part—is it part of the meme stock craze, or is there a substance to this uh, this run-up? Well, Bob, this is again one of those ones that you know make me scratch my head and and really wonder. Um, you know, we see a company that was teetering on the edge of bankruptcy. A company that was worth you know valued at about four hundred and seventy-five million. Uh, it, you know, in, in a matter of five months, became a $30 billion company. Uh, there's no new innovation here. Uh, the company's business model was in question, you know, before the pandemic hit. Uh, you know, when you really think about it, Bob, I mean, this is really pure speculation. It's manipulation. Um, it's something that happens in the market. And, uh, you know, we've seen it, you know, in, in various cycles over my career, you know, where, where something happens, it's hard to regulate. Um, you know, this is coming out of the social media crowd. It's coming out of the gamification of stocks, you know, this whole new trend. And I think regulators are struggling with it. They don't know what to do with it. it it's happening. Uh, I think in this case, it's it's kind of the small guy against the big guy, right? So, I mean, there's some, you know, cheering going on that, you know, these, these social media investors, these young people that are out there, you know, driving these stocks up and kind of beating the, the hedge funds and the short sellers is, you know, kind of a fun story. I mean, it's, it's kind of a little bit of a pun, Bob, but, it's, you know, this could probably be a movie into itself, you know, the trading in AMC. You know, there's probably a nice storyline here for a movie. But, you know, for us, again, it's not the type of investments that we want to do. It's not the kind of companies that, uh, you know, we focus on. Again, this is purely on price speculation, uh, these traders actively pushing the stock up. It, it has nothing to do with business models. It has nothing to do with financial power. Uh, valuation seems extremely overvalued, and, and it seems like there's a lot of risk in these types of investments. 
you know, I, I look at that and I see some, some historical parallels. That's kind of what they were doing in 1928, 1929 with the market that ultimately caused the market to crash. Uh, isn't there, shouldn't there be some kind of, kind of regulation that would uh, prohibit this kind of trading? Well, I'm sure, I'm sure there's regulators talking about this. I think they had their hands full. Uh, like I said, Bob, I, you know, I don't think there's that type of potential of, you know, systematically going through the entire market. Um, it, it is it is contained, and, you know, it's, it's on these social media sites. It's a handful of stocks. Um, they're looking at stocks that are heavily shorted, and, you know, they're, they're pushing them up, you know, by, by buying and, you know, making the short sellers come and undo their positions. So uh, you're right. I mean, there are some parallels always in history, but I think the regulators are probably looking at this and trying to figure out a way to get their arms around it. I'm sure at some point down the road there will be some regulations on, on trading and, you know, stocks that are being pushed up like this. You made the the uh, observation that AMC as a company realistically was about $475 million in uh, valuation, and they're considered a small-cap stock still, even at that. Uh, small-cap stocks, large-cap stocks, these are two two categories of investing. What makes the, the difference between investing in the two of them? Are the strategies different, or are they basically the same? Yeah, they're, they're very different, Bob. You know, I mean, small-cap stocks by nature have the tendency to run up you know, faster. I mean, it's, it's one of the reasons we started a small mid-cap portfolio is that we felt that there was better return dynamics uh, in purchasing small-cap stocks. Um, you know, I just kind of did some, you know, research on this and looked at it. You know, 71 companies in the Russell 2000 have gains of 100% or more uh, since June of 2021. 14 have gains of over 200% or more, and five have over 300% or more. You're not going to find those types of returns in the S&P 500 type stocks. Um, you know, the S&P 500 stocks are dominated by names like Apple and Microsoft and Google and Amazon and Facebook and Berkshire Hathaway, um, Johnson & Johnson, Tesla, NVIDIA. You know, you know, the top 10 stocks in the S&P make up about 27.5% of the S&P. When you look at that Russell 2000, the small mid-cap stocks, you know, you look at companies like Caesars, Penn Gaming, GameStop now is in there because of the run-up. AMC is in there. Uh, Decker's Outdoors, you know, but but the top ten stocks in the Russell 2000 only make up 4.1 percent of that index. So uh, these stocks, you know, they're they're more volatile. They go up and down a lot quicker. Uh, but again, we would have rather favor you know focus on innovation, get strong business models. Uh, strong financial power, you know, not just because the stock's running up. That's not why we're going to run out and buy it. And that's why in your, your small mid-cap portfolio, it really is a long-term approach for the investor. It is. Well, we date the stocks. You know, I say in the large-cap portfolio, we marry the stocks. We kind of date them in the small mid-cap. As long as it's a good time, we'll stay in them. And as long as we see the financial power and the promise, we'll stay in those stocks. They're traded a little bit more frequently. But the premise of the portfolio is still long-term. I mean, I would love to buy a small-cap stock that I hold for 10 years that becomes a large-cap stock. You know, that would be the win of all wins. And we've seen that happen over the course of my career many times. You know, so these big stocks started small, and you hope to find a few diamonds in the rough along the way. That's really all you need for incredible investment success. There's just a few ideas along the way that uh, give you those kinds of returns. Let's talk about some of the uh, stocks that were considered pandemic darlings. Abbott Labs, they developed the rapid COVID tests. They're uh, starting to fall on reports that there is slowing demand for those tests. On the other hand, Zoom Video, 
DocuSign, they continue to surge ahead. Uh, again, winners and losers, how, how do you try to pick them in advance when you look at, at the market? Well, you have to think through those things, right, Bob? So a lot of people were focused on these pandemic um, healthcare companies and something like Abbott that did an incredible good for, for the, you know, the country and the world with these rapid tests. We also knew that was going to run its course, you know, so those earnings and those revenues that they garnered, you know, were more shorter term, you know, hopefully they use those monies well, they put them into R&D, they put them into other product lines that allow them to continue a good growth perspective. Uh, other companies like, you know, Zoom Video or, uh, you, know, you mentioned DocuSign, these have become integrated into the culture now, you know. I mean, I, I don't think Zoom meetings are going away. I think in some ways they're, prefer, you know, preferred. I know my company's still doing a lot of them. My DocuSign, I mean, it's an easy way to sign documents. I mean, even with the pandemic kind of slowing down, the, the major adoption of those technologies probably make them more enduring. So, uh, there will be winners and losers, and, and you have to kind of stand back and think about that. Uh, when we went into the pandemic, we thought about it hard. You know, again, that's why we like to focus on innovation and, you know, strong business models and things that are more enduring. Uh, those are always going to be the long-term type of, you know, stocks that we're looking for. Now, Etsy is one of your holdings in the small mid-cap and diversity portfolios. It's one of those pandemic stocks that did very well, and they kind of surprised folks with purchasing a company called Depop, for some $163 billion. Now, what is Depop? Is that a good buy for Etsy? Yeah, you know, it was a good purchase for Etsy. They're trying to find a way to continue this rapid growth. Again, they were a big winner, which we talked about, you know, with the mask sales and a lot of people staying at home and doing online shopping. They saw an incredible uh, run-up in, in revenues and earnings, and they used some of that cash, and they bought Depop. Uh, Depop is a London-based company founded in 2011. It has about 4 million active buyers, and it's kind of a reseller of fashion-conscious uh, type of goods. Uh, yeah, it's going for a, a, a little younger demographic, and it's very trendy, and you know people are, are going to the site. And again, it's another way for Etsy to build traffic, to build repeat buyers, you know, coming back to the platform, uh, which leads them to other purchases on the Etsy platform. So makes sense. You know, whenever a company makes an acquisition, this is $1.63 billion that Etsy's putting out, you, you hope they can integrate it well and you hope that they, you know, they can make it uh, cre- accretive. Uh, they can add, you know, to revenues and earnings very quickly. So it's something we're going to have to pay attention to. And again, Bob, watch the numbers. Another one of your holdings, uh, Lululemon, is a holding in your diversity portfolio. They reported good earnings results last week. So Lululemon, what's happening there? And do you find that appealing while their stock is approaching $330 a share? Yeah, Bob, yeah, we like Lululemon. We always have, you know, they're kind of an alternative, uh, high-end athletic apparel company, as I talked about. They were kind of the uh, the queen of the yoga pants, you know, high-end yoga pants. If, you, if you're looking for a pair of yoga pants, Bob, they're, you know, $100, $150 a pair, you know, but uh, they're, I guess you, you do better yoga when you buy them. Uh, but this company, you know, has competes with companies like Nike and uh, Under Armour. It's got a really strong brand following. Uh, as we mentioned, they also have the Mirror offering, which is their interactive, uh, you know, kind of subscription-based uh, model of uh, working out. You know, the Mirror goes up on the wall and you can do kickboxing or yoga or uh, weightlifting or, you know, different types of uh, exercises along with the person you see back in the mirror. And again, it's subscription based and they have really good trainers on there. So 
Uh, the company had an impressive result. They did about uh, 88% in, in revenue, uh, $1.2 billion over $652 million the year prior. And our earnings were up 404%. So a company, again, that's showing that incredible financial power. And uh, they got some really cool innovations and good things going on and a very strong brand following. I can see where $150 yoga pants would make someone who looks at those pants and looks at the bill go, ohm, right away. But <laughs> like, again, it's it's working. It's working. It's the downward dog, doesn't it? <laughs> Take some calls now for Walt Secure on WNIR. Good morning. You're on the air. Morning. I uh, wondered, uh, I like spinoffs, and <clears throat> Merck is spinning off uh, ladies' health uh, segment of their business. The symbol is O-G-N. OGN, Organon. I wonder, do you, you you guys probably haven't had a chance to research yet. There's not much information. Uh, but just wondered, uh, do you like the spinoffs of the, some of these corporations? I do. I, I think a lot of times, you know, they spin them off because they have good business models. They want to unlock the potential and, and let them trade on their own accord. A lot of times it adds the valuation to investors that own Merck by you know, spinning off that little little part of the company, it you know it gets a new valuation on it, and people can focus on it. So, and and obviously shareholders of Merck ended up with with shares of Organon. Um, yeah, I've, I've saw this. Um, you know, I'm very familiar with Merck. I followed it for you know 30 years of my career, and um, this is an interesting little spinoff. I think women's health is a very strong segment to look at, and um, it's still not showing any, you know, profitability, but uh, it should turn a profit, hopefully, you know, as, as it moves into 2022, 2023. Yeah, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on it. Uh, Raytheon had some successful spinoffs, and uh, sometimes these things are, are pretty good. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we like the spinoffs, you know. we, we As a matter of fact, we pick a lot of them up, you know, a couple of years down the road. Um uh, Zoetis was a spinoff, the animal health uh, company oh, that yeah, came out of Pfizer. Real good one. Yeah, real good one. Absolutely. Yeah, you're in a beautiful area. You're down in Florida. Yeah, down in Naples today and across the Vero Beach tomorrow. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was part of my territory 40 years ago when I was working for a convenience store chain. So I was all over there. It was the, the beautiful area, the old section downtown there in Naples. I remember that. Yeah. It's, yeah. Beautiful beach is nice. I was up early this morning walking off dinner from last night. <laughs> <laughs> okay, have a good week. Thank you for the info. Okay, thank yeah. you for calling. Uh-huh. 330-673-1234 to talk to Walt Secura live from Naples, Florida this morning. Of course, he's affiliated with his uh, company and the Robert W. Baird Company. They provide all kinds of help for them in providing information like a retirement planning, estate plan reviews, tax reviews, a Roth conversion analyses, options analyses, social security analyses, and more. And uh, coming up just individually at uh, AKW Group, there are going to be retirement classes that are come this late summer this year and early fall. There are going to be two distinct retirement classes, offerings for those that the first will be for pre-retirees, folks approaching retirement, and the second series will be for those in retirement. Now, Walt, how can somebody find out more about these classes, and what the cost is, where they're going to be, and where they can sign up? Yeah, Bob, there'll be a nominal cost. So we're just trying to cover costs and materials and a little bit for the space. We're going to use the uh, Kent State University Convention Center, a hotel and convention center right in downtown Kent. If you haven't been there in a while, it's a great place to visit, a lot of great restaurants by, and 
We're going to start these um, <clears throat> early part of September. Uh, we got some Saturday dates. Uh, we got some in October. Uh, we got the dates pretty firmed up now. Uh, there'll be two dates. So, like, if you sign up for a class, you'd come one Saturday from 9 to noon, and then the following Saturday from 9 to noon. We're also going to be running on Tuesday nights where uh, you come from 6 to 9 p.m. Uh, one Tuesday and then and back the next Tuesday to finish up the class. Uh, one class will be three hours each. It's uh, uh, the retirement, pre-retirement class, and the other one's two hours each. It's the rejuvenate your retirement. So for people that have already made, made some of the choices with uh, Social Security and Medicaid uh, and Medicare, they can come in and, and kind of learn how to kind of optimize and you know, look at some other things that are important as you kind of move down that stage of life. Uh, you know, we've had a lot. We have a lot of elderly, a lot of elderly clients. So my partner and I worked. We had the good fortune to work with a lot of successful people. Uh, we've learned a lot over the years from working for them, and we're just bringing some of those strategies to a, a classroom setting and to be truly educational. We won't talk about any products or try to sell anybody anything. We're just really trying to you know, focus on that educational component of our business. So to get more information, you can call the AKW Group here in Fairlawn, 234-466-7476, 234-466-7476. Ask them about those retirement classes, and they get a better handle on when they're going to be and how you can sign up. So quickly, Walt, next week you'll still be in Florida, but the market will still be moving along. It will, Bob, and we'll watch it closely, and we'll be back with you next Sunday. Can't wait. And once again, you can call Walt Security AKW Group at 234-466-7476 or in Washington, Pennsylvania, call Sue Marshall at 412-480-5090. And WNIR Kent Akron, it's 9 o'clock. During today's broadcast, the following individual companies were mentioned and discussed. Intel Corporation, symbol INTC. Taiwan Semiconductor, symbol TSM. NVIDIA Corporation, symbol NVDA, Advanced Micro Devices, symbol AMD, AMC Entertainment Holdings, symbol AMC, Apple Inc., symbol AAPL, Microsoft Corporation, symbol MSFT, Google, Alphabet Inc., symbol GOOGL, Amazon.com, symbol AMZN, Facebook Inc., symbol FB, Berkshire Hathaway, symbol BRK, Johnson & Johnson, symbol JNJ. Tesla Inc., symbol TSLA. Caesars Entertainment Corporation, symbol CZR. Penn Gaming, symbol PENN. GameStop Corporation, symbol GME. And Decker's Outdoor Corporation, symbol DECK. Zoetis, symbol ZTS. Pfizer, symbol PFE. Abbott Laboratories, symbol ABT. DocuSign Inc., symbol D-U-C-M. Zoom Video Communications, symbol Z-M. Etsy Inc., symbol E-T-S-Y. Lululemon Athletica, symbol L-U-L-U. Merck, symbol M-R-K. And Organon, symbol O-G-N. Please note that Robert W. Baird and Company Incorporated makes a market in all the securities of these companies discussed during today's broadcast.